about even if you've never walked before. You know, you're an adult, and, and you know, we always want our, sometimes you want your kids to walk early on in life, and you know what? Eventually, they're going to learn to walk. But um, it doesn't matter if they walked. Do you remember if you walked at, a, you know, one and a half, two? Maybe your mother does, but I don't remember when my kids walked. I'm just, you know, they, they walked. And most, that's what occurs. That's a natural phenomena. But here, wasn't able to walk and even knowing how to walk. So if you can just picture, imagine being able to all of a sudden get up. Wait, I've never walked before. To be able to stand. And we see the process. It says that, it says he stands up and so he leaping up stood and then walked and entered the temple with them. And then all of a sudden he's walking and leaping. He's like, wait a second. This is like new legs. And he's excited to be able to have that and that phenomena of a miracle occurring. Maybe those of you have hearing problems or visual problems, and maybe you've had laser surgery, and to be able to go from that, it's like all of a sudden you can see. Or being able to have something, if, if you could imagine as we get older, you know, what is it saying goes, you know, the things that don't, um, things that don't work hurt, and the things that hurt don't work. But as you get older, there's a certain, the usage of, you know, you're not as young as you think you are. That's usually the male mantra, but, you know, you, you still think you are. You can do those things. <clears throat> but he stood up, became strong. And this was the sign. It was a sign to the Jews, Jewish people. Go ahead and advance that slide. The sign was that immediate healing. It wasn't something that just uh, eventually occurred. This was a actual healing. There's a story, um, and just so you know, this isn't valid. This isn't true. I know sometimes the stories, but... A Midwestern disabled veteran in a wheelchair entered a restaurant one afternoon and asked the waitress for a cup of coffee. The veteran looked across the restaurant and asked, Is that Jesus sitting over there? The waitress nodded yes, so the veteran told her to give Jesus a cup of coffee on him. The next patron to come in was a New Englander with a scoliosis and a hunchback. He shuffled over to the booth, painfully sat down, and asked the waitress for a cup of hot tea. He also glanced across the restaurant and asked, is that Jesus over there? The waitress nodded, so the New Englander said to have her give Jesus a cup of hot tea, my treat. The third patron to come to the restaurant was a redneck on crutches. He hobbled over to a booth, sat down, and hollered, Hey there, darling, how about give me a cold glass of Coke? He too looked across the restaurant and said, Is that God's boy over there? The waitress nodded once more and said, The redneck said, Well, give him a cold glass of Coke and put it on my bill. As Jesus got up to leave, he passed by the Midwestern disabled veteran, touched him, and said, For your kindness, you are healed. The veteran felt the strength come back to his legs, got up, and danced the jig out the door. Jesus also passed by the New Englander with scoliosis, touched him, and said, For your kindness, you are healed. The New Englander felt his back straightening up, and he raised his hands, praised the Lord, and did a series of backflips out the door. Then Jesus walked towards the redneck, and the redneck jumped up and yelled, Don't touch me, I'm drawing disability. Anyway, the point is that it was immediate, it was immediate healing. And so as such, you understand that uh, recognition of what occurs, that there is the immediate response of that. And so knowing that uh, in a genuine healing, there is gratefulness and a sign. And, and we see through this individual who, who is lame, there is an excitement, there is a joy, there is an exuberance. But also there's a signal, proof of the miracle. The signal is the witnesses. He didn't just decide to go home. He told everyone. And the signal, the witnesses we see in verse 9 through 11. 
Verse 9 through 11 says, And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement and what had happened to him. What had occurred? And so they see this in the signal. Advance that slide is the witnesses, because they understood that something had occurred. For the Jewish people, they understand this was not a daily occurrence. There was a reason for this. And that gave a greater audience for John and Peter. As, they, as we look at this, sometimes we think of the miracles that occur, what is the purpose of them? Because ultimately, we don't even know the name of this person who is lame. But there was a purpose, and as we look at the next slide, is not only the proof, but the purpose of the miracle. And I think it's twofold. Because first of all, it was, as we look at going through the ministry of Peter, and Peter's ministry was mostly to the Jewish nation. And so not, first of all, it was to convert the Jews. In verse 16 through 20, it talks about and says, and his name through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has been given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Convert the Jews because through the name of Jesus Christ, through this miracle would bring those who had come and place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So we have understanding forgiveness. During this time, there would have still be individuals. And as we look at verse 17 going down, it says, Yet now, brethren, I know that you did this in ignorance, as did your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. He says, guess what? You may have done it in ignorance, but you're still guilty. And as we think about sin, trespass, suppose you, you're walking along in a park and you, you walk across and, it, and you're walking across the grass and then all of a sudden you see no trespassing. Uh oh, guess what? I'm not supposed to walk here. It doesn't excuse the fact that you didn't know. <coughs> we were driving in Mexico um, for a little bit this week. Um, my wife had a birthday and went down there and everything's in kilometers. Did you know that 90 kilometers is not the same as 90 miles per hour? That's what the excuse I was going to know. I'm just kidding. But what happens is, and I wasn't driving 90 miles an hour, but what happens is, as we look at it, you, you could say, well, I know um, the conversion. It doesn't matter. You're in a foreign country. You need to know the laws. So therefore, you abide by them. And if you were to get pulled over, it doesn't matter if you thought that it was 90 miles an hour. In ignorance, you will still have a consequence and therefore be subject to that. And here, that's what... Peter expresses to them, says, may have been in ignorance, but there's still a consequence and a suffering. And what occurs is you are guilty. You are guilty for the sin. And as such, even all those um, unbelievers, we are guilty. And therefore, the response he gives to them is, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Change your direction. Understand that you are headed for a, a punishment, a consequence of sin. Turn the other direction and you will have redemption, freedom from the consequence of your sins by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. And as we look at it, the names he gives here, understanding. He says, faith in Jesus Christ, in the servant Jesus, in the Holy One, in the just, in the Prince of life, 
in his name. It goes through and explains and says, guess what? It is Jesus Christ, the power of his name. And that's where it's important as Peter expresses to the Jewish nation. This is the one predicted. This was the one who was foretold. You must understand that this Messiah, it is Jesus Christ. He fulfilled that. And the second thing we look at is not only to convert the Jews, but also to convince the Jews, to bring them to salvation, but also to understand that, guess what? There's going to be a purpose still, and to convince the Jews, this fulfills Scripture. In verse 13, as it goes through and explains, it states, and going back and says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. And then it goes on and lists some of the names. But the God of Abraham, Isaac, goes through some of the patriarchs, those who were well-known in Judaism, but also to whom the promises were given foretold. And as you understand the covenants, and looking here, first of all, the faithful covenants, as we see here, that was given to Abraham. And it goes on and talks about Moses and Samuel. And Samuel was the prophet, and he was the one who anointed David and talks about, hey, the Davidic covenant, what will take place? But the faithfulness of the covenants, as we see here, verses 22 through 25, these were the promises given through the voice of the prophets. And for them, instantly covenants, they think of, of the fact of what was my responsibility because they think Mosaic covenant. Mosaic covenant is the law. Keep the law, keep the law. But the whole purpose, as Paul expresses later, is that you are unable to keep the law. The point of the Mosaic Covenant was to express, here is the commands and the Mosaic law, but it's to show you that no human can keep the law. And because of that, think about the promises of the Abrahamic Covenant, that there would be land, seed, and blessing, and through your seed, all the world would be blessed. And then the Davidic Covenant, that one would reign from the tribe of Judah, uh, one who is from David's line, and even the new covenant, as we see expressed. And these covenants that are given in the Old Testament, that there would be a new way. And some of these haven't been fulfilled. They will be fulfilled in the reign of the millennial kingdom of what is to come. But it hasn't been transitioned that uh, now no longer Israel has no place, and then the church, but the church here as we see, is something different. And this goes on as we see not only the faithful covenants, but the factual messianic fulfillment. Jesus Christ was the one who was predicted that would come. And in him, he provides first blessing and forgiveness to the Jews, but also he would bless others. And that includes each one of us. The fact that we can have salvation, eternal life, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he, it was the fulfillment of the promised covenant Messiah. And while the Jews rejected him, he established a church. And that's what Acts is, the establishment of this church, this new entity of now we have, as it talks about in Ephesians, saved Jews and saved Gentiles. But guess what? God hasn't forsaken Israel. There will still be a time where he will fulfill those promises. And here he talks about the future millennial kingdom, that he will bring things to restoration. God will be faithful to Israel and bring restoration on earth. Israel will know the law upon their hearts. 
and what will take place. And we see that because in that, what is taking place in the seed and all the families of the earth will be blessed to you first. God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from your iniquities. The, the purpose of salvation, understanding, convince the Jews to come to Christ and to understand what is the basis of your salvation. You're looking for the Messiah that is going to lead you out of Roman rule. Roman rule. Roman rule. That's really good English, right? See? <clears throat> Roman rule. But as we look at what takes place is that here the Messiah was going to be one as described in the Old Testament. The suffering Messiah. But one day he will conquer and come as that who will rule in the throne of David. And then finally for us, as we look at this, this miracle of healing. How can it apply to us as we look at what is the purpose or what is it? But we can still look at the fact of the power of the miracle. And as you think about the power of the miracle, which is number three, and the power of a miracle, and you think about power, and just give a quick illustration. A, um, a recently divorced woman was walking along the beach contemplating how badly treated she had been over the settlement when she saw a magic lamp washing up on shore. She rubbed the lamp and out popped a genie. And when we think of lamps, we think of, oh, the power of the genie. The genie sensed her anger and allowed her to vent her troubles to him. As a consolation, the genie informed her that he would give her three wishes, but he cautioned her that because he does not believe in divorce, he would give her ex-husband ten times the amount of whatever she wishes. The woman is steaming mad, thinking this is hardly fair, but she makes her fish first wish. The first wish was for a billion dollars. The genie granted her wish, and she found herself sitting in a pile of one billion, one dollar bills. The genie then reminded her that her husband was now the surprise recipient of $10 billion. billion. The woman could barely contain her anger when she made her second wish. The second wish was for a beautiful mansion on the shore of her own private beach. In an instant, it was granted, exactly as she had imagined her dream home, in every tiny detail. But the genie reminded her again that her ex-husband now owned 10 of what she wished for and pointed out across the bay to a small development of 10 such mansions. Upon seeing this, the woman took her time to consider her final wish. Just as the genie was about to give up on her, the woman said she made up her mind. But before she could say anything, the genie again warned her that her ex-husband would get ten times whatever she wished for. No problem, said the woman, smiling at last. For my final wish, I'd like to give birth to twins. I say that in just in jest, but understanding the power. And here, as we look at, to be able to give the power of the miracle, we, we're captivated by power of things, whether it be power of engines or power, um, if you think about absolute rule, what often happens, what does it do? It corrupts. When, when one is in power, never has had power. We think about internationally even. That's what often takes place, one who hasn't had power. Think about you as a sibling. Maybe if you were a sibling and you're the older sibling, or maybe you're the younger sibling, and, and you were left home for the first time, your parents are gone, and guess what? You were in charge. Oh, man, you know, that is like freedom, and then you get to do whatever you want and make your kids do whatever, or make your siblings do whatever they want, or maybe you were the young one and you had to do all those things. But the power, and sometimes we just soak in it, understand their power. But this was a supernatural power that brought healing. 
And even along Christendom, there's those who who've wanted, oh, the gifts of healing, and to be able to have that. But here, the purpose of that, and understanding it's not about going out and healing people. That's not the ministry that God has left us with. God still works through supernatural ways in power of prayer and those who have wondered a diagnosis of cancer. But we must understand that God is in control and it's not like some magic lamp that we rub and say, God, heal me from this cancer. That's not how God works. He's not obligated to heal us just because we're a believer. God's not required to give us what we want. God gives us what we need and is sufficient and to understand that God is in control. But the power of the miracle, it helps us to understand two things. First of all, the name of Jesus still saves. The power of the name. And to understand that, that even though all that is going on in this world, the corruptness, the challenges in life, sometimes we get frustrated. We think, what is taking place in our society, social media, you know, even the understanding of rights of the unborn and, and wondering, you know, is there any morality? People, is, it seems like there's such a diverse uh, difference, very polarized. But we must understand the name of Jesus still saves. There's people who we think that person would never come to Christ or, you know, God can't use them. But we must understand that God still saves, and he can save whom he chooses. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that is a promise because that power of Jesus Christ is still active and vibrant until he returns. But secondly, we must understand that the name of Jesus Christ still changes lives. And while we might be wishing for that supernatural power, God, give me the ability to do this. Or if you're a child, you know, God, give me the ability to fly. Wouldn't that be cool? Or God, give me this ability. We want these superpowers. They have all these superpower heroes, huh? But the power that comes through Jesus Christ isn't the supernatural. Sometimes it's being able to respond in a way which is contrary to our nature. Think about some of those things that we were so obsessed before we knew Christ. Or think about the fact that we are able to restrain from maybe the language we use or the person we were before. Maybe we were that bitter person. Or maybe we were that person who was so unforgiving, could not forgive. But when we dwell upon the fact that Jesus Christ forgave and that he can change lives, he can change a person who was so, living so contrary to God and opposed to anything that is Christian, Guess what? God can change that life. God can change our life. Sometimes we think, well, I'm not that sinful. But really, we could be as sinful as the next person. We compare ourselves to someone else, and it's like, oh, yeah, we're not too bad. huh? We dress up pretty well. But ultimately, we are a sinful human being. Our natural desire is not to want to read the Word of God, to do anything to trust God, to, to pray to Him. We do things on our own because that's how we are. But yet God desires that we have a personal relationship with him. And when a person trusted Jesus Christ as their savior, a new relationship begins. And that's what it's about. As we come and grow in our relationship with Christ, the desire is how do we glorify God in our lives? Did you know you glorify God when you're consistent in living a life that is godly? When sometimes you choose not to do what by nature you want to. And oh, it's so hard. I mean, I'm sorry, we bring donuts out there and sometimes you think, oh, I'm on a diet, I don't want to eat a donut. 
But when it comes to our sinful nature, there's things that we want to do. We naturally, inclination of the flesh, be selfish, not care about anyone else. But when the Spirit of God impresses on our hearts to do something that is contrary to who we are, it's like, okay, God, I'm not sure. There's something you want me to do, maybe. And we pray about it, seek counsel. Sometimes God works in us and through us. It causes missionaries to go and live in areas where they never would choose to do. It causes people to respond in different ways in kindness to people who mistreat you, who hate you, who vehemently yell at you, but yet to be able to respond in kindness and knowing, guess what, all you can have is pity for that person. To pray for family members who live so opposed to Christ. To have an attitude of graciousness. It's not easy. We live in Phoenix. A lot of people drive fast and want to cut you off. You know, it's our natural inclination is, bless you. I'm a New Yorker, man. I use the horn. You know, and it's just, oh, you know what? You just broke the law. <laughs> you know, it's not a, in South America, they used to use it as just a beep. You know, oh, coming through. Oh, okay, I get that. You know, but it's just ways, things that people are, how people are. Our natural response is just a, oh, you know, vindicative. I hope you get a flat tire. <coughs> But the Spirit of God working through us in allowing us, you know what, let it go. It's not worth it. Is blood pressure elevated worth it? But when we respond in a godly way, there's always people watching us. And that's the power of God because God can use each one of you to allow the power of God, first of all, to work contrary to your nature in how you respond to trials, to blessings, to give when you don't even want to, but yet you know that the Spirit of God is working in you. But then also to share maybe your time. But yet other people who see you, that is where the power of God can, can see working in your life, then they can see it working in maybe in their life. And that gives them hope. That is what the power of God is. When we respond in a way which honors and glorifies God, that gives hope to that young believer who says, oh, I will never be able to change my life. Oh, I'll never be able to know what the Word of God says. I'll never be able to be consistent as you are. You don't have to live your life as a picture of someone else. That's the thing. You are each individual unique persons, and God grants gifts and abilities to you. Some of you may be able to memorize the passages. Some may be able to play beautifully. Some may be able to serve in different ways. But where you're at, continue to learn and grow and allow God to have his power work in and through you, transforming. We want things to happen right away. Now, just make it happen. Make me, you know, godly. Make me do this. But that's not how God works. He builds character. And unfortunately for us, character, it takes time. It takes challenges. Some of you have been through this. Many of you have lived through difficult situations. But I can guarantee that we could spend hours here testifying to the fact that God was merciful gracious, supported you, or you've seen pictures of people who've gone through difficult times, hardships, loss of family members, loved ones, but yet God was still gracious. And because God is in control, you can trust him because he is in control and the power is out of your hands. If it were in our hands, we'd, we'd change things and guess what? The consequences would not be good. But that's the blessing is that when we look at the miraculous healing, God is in control and had a purpose. And he still does for each one of our lives. So as we look at this morning, just remember that 
The name of Jesus Christ still saves. And guess what? The name of Jesus Christ still changes lives. And he can change each one of us. He can work in and through us for his glory. And while we do not know the name of the lame man, we know the God who healed the lame man. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the truth of your word. And God, sometimes we, we wonder if you're still working in our lives because we don't see vast transformational changes occurring. But God, it's through the little bit, little by little, step by step. Sometimes we are changed in ways that we don't even realize. But Father, and sometimes you are preparing us for those difficult times in nature and our character. I pray that you would help us respond in a way which would honor you. And Father, just as a piano plays, just take a moment of reflection. The desire is always as we are confronted with the word of God, what change will come about in our own lives. I'm not here to, to have you come forward, but if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I pray that today would be the day that you can know for sure that you can have eternal life. Just ask for forgiveness and ask him to come into your life and save you. But maybe you're here this morning and wondering, what role, what plan does God have for my life? He has a purpose for you. And when you submit your will to his, when you understand just as you pray, you might not always recognize what is going on, but it's, it's a willingness to allow his power to work in you and through him. Are you willing to submit that, to give that authority and power over to him in all areas of your life? Sometimes we're okay with our own lives, but our wife, our husband, our children, 